Hello, everyone, and welcome to Student Affairs Live, the online learning community for student affairs educators. We're having some technical issues today, um, so thank you for hanging with us as we get things going. I'm your host, Heather Shea Gasser from Michigan State University. I use she, her, hers pronouns. Today we are talking about student affairs partnerships with campus police. We welcome your comments your host, and questions and participation throughout. I use Follow along on the back channel and tweet to our hashtag HigherEdLive. Thanks again to Alex Sylvester for helping me out today. In a moment, I'm going to introduce you to the five panelists who have joined me today. But first, I need to acknowledge those who make Student Affairs Live possible. Higher Ed Live is produced by M. Stoner, a marketing and communications firm that works with education institutions on branding, strategy, web design, and more. Is it time for a website checkup? If you're worried that your site isn't memorable or nervous that your institution won't stand out from every other school that's knocking on prospective students' doors, a website checkup is your first step. We're tweeting out a link shortly where you can learn more. Student Affairs Live is also sponsored by ACPA. They are pleased to support Student Affairs Live, one of the many ways that you can be innovative with your professional development delivery. So as I mentioned at the start of our broadcast, today we are talking about Student Affairs partnerships with campus police. Building and maintaining strong working relationships between campus police departments and student affairs divisions is critical today, perhaps more than ever. Partnerships focused on ensuring campus safety and preparing effectively for crises are among the top priorities for proactive collaboration between these two campus units. Yet the impact of systemic racism in our larger society, combined with students' experiences and knowledge of law enforcement, all influence students' perception of police on campus. So I'm thrilled today to be joined by five individuals. We have two duos from two different campuses who will be talking about both sides of the student affairs and police um, discussion. So from Michigan State University, Dr. Denise Maybank and Sergeant Florine McLaughlin-Taylor, welcome. Thank you. Thank you. Thank you for being here. And from the University of Arizona, we have Kendall Washington-White and Chief Brian Seastone. Hi, good afternoon. Can you hear Kendall okay? I can't hear Kendall. Kendall, is, are you on speakerphone? Yes, can you hear me? I can hear you, great. Okay. We are piecing together technology, <laughs> flying by the seat of our pants. It's all working great. And then finally, today, we have the past chair of the ACPA Commission for Campus Safety and Emergency Preparedness, Rachel Aho. Hi, everybody. Thanks for being here, everyone. So I'm going to have each of you start by just giving a brief overview of your background. Um, and you can all, who are watching today, view their uh, website and see, the, see their bios in depth. So, Kendall, we're going to start with you. Uh, my name is Kendall Washington-White, and I'm the Assistant Vice President for Student Affairs and Dean of Students at the University of Arizona. I've uh, been at the university for 22 years, and um, with a combination of experiences, uh, including multicultural affairs, and now working in the Dean of Students Office, Campus Health, Disability Resources, etc., and I'm really happy to be here. Thanks so much, Kendall. Um, Brian, to you. All right. Good afternoon. I'm Brian Seastone. I'm the Chief of Police at the University of Arizona. I've been here for a short 36 years and have been the Chief for the last two and a half years. Great. Thank you so much for being here, Brian. We really appreciate it. Um, Denise. Thank you, Heather. I am Denise Maybank, and I have the privilege of serving as the Vice President for Student Affairs and Services for 50,270 <laughs> of the most amazing young people anywhere. And I've been at the university, I'm in my 11th year. Great, welcome. Uh, Florine. Hi, I'm Florine McLaughlin-Taylor, and thank you for having me. Uh, I actually have a background and worked in student affairs for 12 years prior to changing my career uh, to go into law enforcement, uh, starting with the city of East Lansing Police Department and my uh, master's degree is in uh, adult education. I have been with the police department here for 26 years. Great, wonderful. Thank you so much for being here too. And Rachel. Hi everybody, uh, my name is Rachel Ajo. I use she, her, hers pronouns, uh, and I work at the University of Utah in housing and residential education as the associate director of administrative services. 
I'm also happy to be representing ACPA's Commission for Campus Safety and Emergency Preparedness uh, as its current past chair, and I am looking forward to telling you a little bit more about some involvement opportunities and what our commission is doing uh, later on in the webcast. Wonderful. So Kendall and Brian, um, actually everybody on the call today is welcome to chime in as I ask questions. Um, but Kendall and Brian first, at the heart of this episode is the word partnerships. And I wanted to include you two in this conversation because I used to work at the U of A and I know firsthand that you've created a really strong partnership for campus safety. So Brian, can you talk a little bit about how that happened and what you see as sustaining um, the partnership? Sure, thank you. We've had a really long-standing partnership with uh, a lot of members of our community, especially the Dean of Students and Student Affairs. Um, we know that the police department can't do it alone. It really does take a community to make the whole university safe and whole. Um, our success is when our students graduate. And so if we can do that together through the Dean of Students Office, student affairs and the other clubs and organizations on campus, we've done a pretty good job. What sustains us is we're, I think, uh, an open, honest communication between um, all of us. We're willingness to think outside the box. Um, inclusion, you know, of faculty, staff, and students. Accessibility to each other. Kendall's on my speed dial, as, as well as the president and other uh, key leadership. and. Uh, Accessibility, like I said, that is key. And that we all check our egos at the door. Um, and we're all working for a common goal. Great. Kendall, talk a little bit about from this from your perspective. Um, how do you recommend campuses begin breaking down barriers? And what have you done um, to do that? So I, I think that it's really important for um, colleges and universities, um, the student affairs units in particular, to recognize that there's a big difference between municipal police and um, campus police. Um, I think that the um, officers who choose to um, work on a college campus do so because they recognize um, the population is different, um, that it's, uh, it's an institution of higher education, and it creates quite a bit of additional opportunities for the officers. Um, one of the things that I think is fantastic about UAPD is that um, the officers and staff are very much involved in um, other organizations on campus and on search committees in particular. The Dean of Students Office always has a member of UAPD on our search committee. Um, they serve on larger institutional committees as well, so they really are a part of the university community. I also think that we have common interests. We all want our students to have a great experience on campus to leave um, with that polished degree. And so our interests are the same. And I think where you can start is by looking at our common goals and then recognizing that while we have common goals, we may have a different way of going about achieving them, but how can we meet somewhere in the middle so that everyone feels that we are achieving our goals as individual departments? Wonderful. I'm going to skip ahead to three. Um, so, Florine, here at Michigan State, MSUPD has taken some recent proactive measures to promote inclusion and address bias. Um, you are the head of a new recently created unit specifically on this issue. Can you talk to us a little bit about how this office came to be and a little bit of the history that brought you here? Yes, um, I think um, in terms of how it came about, I think a lot of it has to do with what we see that's going on uh, nationally in terms of um, what's going on outside of the universities within our cities and so forth. And with the university being uh, proactive as it is, this was one of the, the things that came about was the inclusion and anti-bias unit. And one of the things that um, is really important to us is, as you indicated, being proactive in terms of collaborating with a number of of individuals here at the university and departments, uh, being faculty, staff, students, and our organizations, and according, of course, with student affairs and services. So that's, uh, I would have to say, the national events is what brought this about, um, because that is a concern of ours, and because we do want to be open uh, and transparent with our community, uh, this is how we came about. 
Wonderful. So Denise, since the office's inception, what have you done and what are the different ways that Student Affairs has connected with MSUPD? Um, we'll talk about that first and then we'll see if this is a transferable model to other campuses. Okay, well, I want to begin by saying it's really about the relationship that was built prior to the creation of this unit. So we've had a long-standing relationship between Student Affairs and Services and our Michigan State University Police Department. And I believe it is about the relationship that's built in the good times, when there's nothing in particular going on, but yet there is visibility and there's opportunity for connection and for the building of relationship, not only with the Division of Student Affairs and Services staff, but with students and faculty as well. I sincerely believe that when you can make those relationships evident early in the process, when things come up, then you have that to build on. And so visibility for me is critical in being out and about when police are out and about. And so I try to make sure that all of our officers and our cadets know me by sight and know members of my staff so that when we are face to face with something going on, we all know who's there to support and how we support one another. The perspectives that may be different in the, from the way we do our work and from what we have to focus on, those are the things that we get to talk about in those times. So the creation of the unit came about as we thought about what were, what were the next steps, just as um, Sergeant Taylor indicated, as we looked at what was happening beyond the campuses. And so the unit being created helps us to help students better understand the response from our police officers and from our police department. Denise, do you think, and, and Sergeant Taylor, do you think that this is a model that other campuses might employ? Um, and why or why not? Uh, yes, I do think uh, it's a model uh, that if individuals were interested that they could. Um, um, institute uh, at their universities. Um, a lot of cities uh, do have something that's similar. Uh, when we were um, creating this unit, uh, we didn't see any other universities that had anything such as this. And so I would say yes, by all means, because in terms of working with one another, it does make it easier by, by being visible. Uh, as Dr. Maybank indicated, uh, it goes a long, long way. And as she indicated, um, it is true that Student Affairs and the Police Department has had a long history of working together. Um, the University, uh, our Police Department in terms of our community team policing, uh, being within the neighborhoods uh, where the officers are visible to the community, working with the neighborhoods, working with Student Affairs and Services, it does go a long way. I think it's important for the model to be expanded to other campuses and in other contexts because it affords the opportunity for the university messages around policy and practices to be evident in multiple places. And so when you can think about how the police are responding to bias incidents and there is a clear point of contact within the police department. That helps everyone on the campus to know where to go and what to expect when that happens. When the unit relates to student affairs and services in any way, our relationship with the individuals who are associated and our trust of how they will respond makes a difference in how we move forward and what we do to plan for events, to help students plan for events. And so it's a, it makes sense to have that immediate connection. So I encourage other campuses to think about the model to and welcome them coming to visit, to talk with us about what we do and how we do it here at Michigan State. Great. Rachel, um, as the past chair for the Commission for Campus Safety and Emergency Preparedness, I know you all have made some significant strides in starting a national conversation around partnerships. Talk a little bit about what you um, are doing within the commission. Yeah, thank you. Um, and I wanna start off by saying that this is a group um, that really came into formation because of this need for further conversation. And uh, so as a commission, I've had the chance to work with this group for the past five years now. Um, and we really strive to elevate conversations such as this and really highlight some of the best practices that are happening 
across the country. And we do that in a, a variety of ways. Uh, one of those is through um, our efforts that we put forward at, at convention every year at ACPA. We've sponsored some programs over the last few years um, highlighting uh, social justice training uh, collaborations between law enforcement and student affairs professionals. Uh, that's something that the University of San Francisco is doing uh, right now. This last year, um, our vice chairs for research and scholarship, Dr. Mahogany Shaw and Dr. Danielle Molina, uh, helped to sponsor and facilitate a session called uh, Black Lives Matter, navigating boundaries between student activism and community crisis. So we try to elevate some of those conversations at convention and make sure that we're sharing that with our members uh, throughout the year as well. Um, we're also doing some uh, work towards publication um, at this point in trying to get uh, kind of in front of, of some of those efforts. So we are uh, putting forward a development series that you'll see uh, coming out soon uh, that's focused on effective community policing and partnership with student affairs. And then our chair, our current chair, Joe Cooper, uh, his dissertation, uh, which should be available in May and published in May, is titled College Students' Perceptions of Community-Oriented Policing at a Mid-Sized uh, Public University. So we're trying to do this in a variety of ways through publication, uh, through our convention efforts. Uh, and this is really just the beginning of that conversation. So we welcome any of you on this call today uh, to get involved, to contact us, uh, follow us on Twitter, look for future webinars, and of course, uh, to join us uh, on our directorate as one of our leaders as well. Yeah, I know that commission is a relatively new commission, so it's awesome to hear all of the things that you all have been able to accomplish in just a five years, six years. Um, so I want to move um, to talking about emergency preparedness, because I think that's often a place um, within campuses where, and crisis response, where we see a really uh, important need for collaboration between student affairs and campus police. Brian, can you talk a little bit about how UAPD has worked together with student affairs to prepare for emergencies on campus? Sure. I actually wear a double hat as kind of the emergency manager for the university as well. And again, I'll reiterate, we can't do it alone. Through our exercises that we do, uh, both tabletop, functional drills, etc., from our campus emergency response team that we've worked together, uh, to put together. It's a, an amazing group of about 25 U of A uh, personnel that will come together, collaborate, and start helping the incident commander or managing the incident depending on what it is. We also do our lessons learned. We look at what we've done after incidents, what's gone around uh, the country, what we've done, and how we can do that better. We regularly meet uh, Kendall and I have breakfast at, at least once a, a month. Our cert team meets um, uh, every month as well. So we get the perspective from all around the campus. And again, like I said, the collaboration, the willingness for everybody to check egos at the door, uh, to go do the task that's needed is amazing. Everybody just comes together exceptionally well. Um, we really started working hard on our CERT program back in 2002, and it's, it's evolved into really just an excellent tool to help secure and, and make the campus safer. Awesome. Thanks, Brian. So, Kendall, I'm interested in your thoughts on emergency preparedness, particularly around professional preparation programs. Um, we always have a number of master's students who watch this episode, um, episodes of Student Affairs Live, as well as faculty. Um, how are we um, effectively or maybe ineffectively through our prep programs preparing new uh, student affairs professionals to become better equipped to handle emergencies? I think that um, that's where assistant ships really play a significant role for our master's and PhD students to have that real experience working in our various offices. Um, so because if you work in the student's office, for example, um, we have First Amendment monitors um, that um, we're a large public institution and we have um, itinerant preachers that like to visit our campus. And so it's a great opportunity for those students to see how we interact with those um, individuals and how we work with our students in their response to those um, speakers. Um, and I think that having that hands-on experience, whether it's um, First Amendment issue or Board of Regents is here on campus for um, their meetings. 
having that direct experience is really important. Um, I'm hoping that they are hearing about this in their courses. I know that um, one of our colleagues, uh, Dr. Amanda Kraus, um, teaches a course where she invites folks in from the division to share their experiences. And this is, uh, I think that's a really important aspect of their learning. So much, Kendall. Um, I think that I think that that's a really critical piece. So I'm hoping that we are continually thinking about the curriculum that's happening within our our uh, prep programs as well. Um, so Denise and Florine, on on the website of this episode, I talked a little bit about the impact of systemic racism in larger society and how that is affected also by students' experiences and knowledge from before coming onto campuses, whether it's in East Lansing or in Tucson or anywhere else. Um, so Denise, could you talk a little bit about the role that student affairs professionals should be playing in fostering a campus climate where police can both be effective and students can be comfortable with the presence of law enforcement within an academic environment? Certainly. Um, I believe that that, again, is about relationship building. It's about making certain that students understand the relationship of our sworn police force that is a part of this campus community to ensuring their safety. And not just them considering police in every context as police in all contexts. I believe that it's important for us to make sure that we help them understand not only the relationships, but the perspectives and the opportunities for connecting with the campus police force. For them to recognize as students at Michigan State University and students in any other campus community as well, to recognize that the police who are a part of that campus police department recognize their role in relationship to students. And that, that, I think, makes a difference because when we start talking about mobilizing different uh, police departments in our area, not everyone is trained from that perspective. But when they are paired with our police officers, it helps to inform those other jurisdictions and municipalities about the relationship to students. When I think about who our students are today and the things that they are experiencing and the anxieties and the fear that exists among many of our African-American student populations and particularly our male students, I often think about what do we need to do to make sure that they have that connection and that relationship. And I thank Sergeant Taylor and the police department in total for opening the doors for those relationships, opening the opportunities for students to ask questions, to experience simulations, and to interact with police officers directly. And that's uh, one of the things that the unit has been doing uh, in terms of other departments. And we've trained over 230 police officers in the areas of implicit bias. Um, we've had individuals from the community come in because we do think it's important that when there's anything taking place where students live uh, on campus within the city of East Lansing or within mm -hmm. the Lansing area, that they are familiar with how we work within our community. And so the trainings that we've invited other departments in on has been very successful. Uh, the community has appreciated uh, those sessions. We've had a conference here for the first time and we'll be doing a follow-up conference this April on racial healing in terms of having group discussions and talking about what's taking place. Uh, the unit has met with student organizations here on campus uh, in forums in terms of answering questions that they may have in terms of what's taking place. So we do have that open communication, making certain that we do have that relationship prior to any types of incidences that may take place so that we can prevent them, work with the students, work with our community, faculty, and our staff. Excellent, thank you so much. So Rachel, um, I think that one of the things that's always you know, important to consider is time, place, and manner. So you know, how and when we talk with students, um, is it at new student orientation? Is it at residence hall meetings? 
you know, how is the best way that we can connect public safety, safety officials with students so that students get the information that they need? Um, can you talk a little bit about maybe some ways that your commission and broadly um, has promoted student engagement around law enforcement? Yeah, I, I want to echo, too, uh, in answering that what was just shared in that first and foremost, I think it's important to understand that every institution is different. Uh, you need to understand the climate of your institution, the current perception of police and public safety officials on your campus, as well as know your students and what's happening in the environment surrounding campus, too. I think that will help you uh, to consider time, place, and manner and the ways in which you're engaging with students. If you have done nothing or, or very little uh, in terms of that, uh, it's difficult to go from, from that to you know, zero to 60 in a quick uh, time period. Uh, and so it's important to consider you know, how, how you're wanting to reach out to students before they come to campus, to prospective students, how you're representing uh, yourselves and your departments online and presenting resources, um, trying to be transparent about the campus community, what's happening. Um, uh, training opportunities is something that we offer online for our students if students are interested in uh, receiving some online training through our university police departments. So I think uh, we can start engaging with our students even before they're enrolled with us here on campus. And then during that transition period, I think there are a lot of opportunities to engage during orientation sessions, uh, with many of our RAs, our student leaders, to start building those partnerships. Um, and to think about student organizations, as has been mentioned already, too. So student government organizations, uh, how can you partner with them? Our, our student government, ASUU, here is launching a campus lighting campaign to improve safety across campus. And that's something, as those walks are taking place, you know, how are we doing that with student staff uh, and our public safety officers? Another example, the last one I want to share is um, actually an example of a great partnership then throughout uh, the time that students are on campus. I think uh, it would be um, a failure on our part to just be present during orientation and then uh, fall back um, after that time period. And so I think um, Northern Illinois University is a great example um, of some of their efforts among their police officers and engaging among housing and residential life. Uh, areas on campus. They give their police officers uh, a small meal plan um, so that they can eat alongside students. So they dedicate resources to building those relationships and then also uh, staff their officers with uh, providing and facilitating programs on campus, whether that's uh, facilitating a campus safety fair, which they did, just did, or bringing some, you know, food to cookies as they're, or cookies to students as they're uh, you know, studying in some of their public lounges, it can be those small interactions that, that help to build the relationships as we keep coming back to that are, are really important. So again, those are just a few examples. Obviously key to their success is knowing your campus culture, recognizing that trusting relationships take time uh, to build on campus and that it's important to get staff and student buy-in and feedback along the way too to make sure that what you're doing is effective. Awesome. Thanks so much, Rachel. So, Can I add something yeah, in there? Absolutely. Uh, Rachel's absolutely correct because that a lot of the things that she mentioned there are things that we're doing here as well at, at MSU. And as a matter of fact, before we started, I think I mentioned to you one of the things that's going to be taking place this Sunday that we reached out to our uh, student organizations to take part in a 5K donut run that's going to be occurring here within the city. Uh, students are always asking how can they do things with the police that are fun and relate relatable and that was one of the things that um, we thought they might be interested in and we have had positive response in terms of uh, an organization or two that will be participating with us. Awesome, great. Brian, we um, have revisited the concept of um, guns on campus a couple of times on Student Affairs Live in January. Uh, we featured a book called College in the Crosshairs about gun violence on campus. And at that time, I asked the guests um, about how, you know, polarizing this topic is and how emotionally charged it is for students, faculty, staff, community members. Um, you know, we often participate in tabletop exercises and they can tend to spiral out of control based on um, individual perspectives about whether guns belong on campus or not. So as police chief, I'm, I'm interested in how you approach this as, as a leader on campus and 
um, you know, and in a state where concealed carry is, is permitted. Sure. We always support the Constitution, and I don't think any one of us has an issue with that. It's a time, place, and manner. And it's been a pretty consistent theme across our campus from faculty, staff, and students that they don't want guns on campus. Um, from a law enforcement perspective, I'll tell you why. It's if we know right now that we get a call of a man with a gun and we go over there and we see a person with a gun, that's a pretty good idea that that's the one we're looking for. If multiple people are allowed to have weapons on our campus, we're responding and who is the who's the suspect at this point when we have eight or nine people pointing guns at each other. The other thing is we train constantly on use of firearms and deadly force, et cetera. And people don't always follow commands, even when we're shouting at them and somebody inadvertently turning with a weapon and saying, wait, he's the bad guy. You're now putting the officer and other people around you in a very serious and, and threatening situation. And a decision has to be made very quickly. Who really is the bad individual on this, um, on the campus? They may not be doing anything wrong, but at the same time, what they have done is place themselves and others in danger. I think that's the biggest concern on our campus today, uh, why people don't want guns on campus. Um, and I think also from what the community has told me, they want to feel safe in their classrooms uh, without the fear of s someone else having a, a, a firearm. Great. Um, I appreciate that. And I, I just wanted to bring back that content because I think it's a really relevant um, piece to today's topic as well. Yes. Um, so I'm curious about student activism. Uh, we've also talked about that on previous episodes. and particularly how social media is influencing the way that both student affairs and campus police are responding um, to student activists and, and real and slash perceived, you know, threats of violence. Um, Denise, do you want to start our conversation off and then we'll, we'll kind of go through everybody on this one. Great. Thank you, Heather. Um, I believe that the student population is one that has influenced progressive experience from college campuses for ages. And so it is not the activism that we need to be concerned about because often those voices help us to become better. And so if we can identify ways to hear and respond, not only to listen, but to hear and to respond to the things that students are raising and bringing to our attention, I think we're all in a better position because we can think about the 21st century responses to 21st century issues. And I believe that social media has created a different outlet for how that information gets out there, how people respond to the issues that are being raised, and then how we move forward. So it's a matter of embracing new ways of connecting and communicating and recognizing that the voice of students is important for our development. I believe that it is appropriate for students who are developmentally figuring out who they are and who they are in relation to others, for us to embrace and create opportunity for that activism even, and to not fear that. That's, you know, it's like, I love seeing the passion. I love seeing students committed to something that makes a difference in their lives and that they believe makes a difference for our world. And so how do we help them to think about, just as we've been talking about time, place, and manner for that expression in such a way that it does not become disruptive, but rather stays a matter of engaged dissent even. So I'm gonna stop there for a moment because I can keep going. Yeah, that's, that's great. Uh, Florian, do you want to respond also from Michigan State's perspective? And then we'll go to Rachel and then the U of A. Yes, I was going to say Dr. Maybank is absolutely correct. I mean, it's a university. It's freedom of speech. We encourage the students uh, to speak, to speak out. From a police perspective, we want to make certain that our students are following the rules and regulations, that they go through the proper um, 
process and so forth because we do have guidelines. So as long as those guidelines are being followed, we have no issue with that. Where there's a problem sometimes is when there's outside forces, outside agitators that may come onto campus. And then as a police department, we have to do what we do in terms of making certain that our community make, stays safe. But we do want uh, students to be able to speak. Uh, we have speakers all the time that come to the university um, that are uh, controversial speakers. Uh, we make certain that students, if they want to protest, uh, at the university that they can do so. We even have officers that are out there that are leading the way to make certain that they are protected when they protest. So again, the key is to make certain that it's done in the proper way, that the rules and regulations are followed here in the, at the university uh, so that everyone can express themselves and remain safe. Great. Rachel? Yeah, I absolutely agree. Again, I think we ask our students to be engaged. We ask them to make change and to help uh, be change makers in the world. And this is one way that they can practice that uh, in many ways on campus as well. I also think uh, going back to social media, if we look at how that organization and that practice is happening, uh, that's happening online uh, more and more for our students. And here um, on campus, I think we've seen that social media has helped to allow our students and staff to organize, uh, to create space for dialogue and conversation on campus, both in response to uh, some of the national incidents that have been happening uh, in offering space to process, to heal, and to learn from one another, but also as a way to mobilize and organize and respond to concerns and talk about how that uh, relates to our campus climate here as well. I think the difficulty in that sometimes is that many people are trying to do that at the same time, often on our campuses. And so um, at times our institutional responses or organizational efforts can overlap or conflict with what our students are trying to do, thereby splitting our resources and time rather than elevating a conversation and kind of uniting a, a conversation. And I think at times that's very appropriate. There are, is a need to create a variety of spaces for a variety of needs. Uh, but at times I think it could also be to our benefit uh, to collaborate uh, and to bring those conversations together. So I think that's one of the difficulties that our students encounter uh, in wondering um, how to be successful with activism and something we should consider as professionals as well. Great, thank you. Kendall, talk a little bit about this from the U of A's perspective, and then we'll go to Brian also. I, I, think I agree with everything that Denise uh, shared. Um, I love the student activism. I think this past year was a fantastic um, experience for me because I had not seen this level of activism in the 22 years that I've been here on campus, and so it was thrilling, exciting. Um, and it was wonderful to see our students um, use their voice to um, ask for change to happen on our campus. And um, sometimes it takes our students to make things move forward a lot quicker than it would be um, if we just waited, you know, for everyone on campus to be ready. I would like to add a little twist, though, to the conversation because, you know, the social media issue, um, our students are active users of it, but when we think about our alums and parents, um, I think that's another uh, set of folks who um, may not be um, large uh, social media users, especially our older alums and older parents. And I had the opportunity recently to um, present on the diversity and inclusion issues um, on our campus to our alumni association board and board of directors. And it was a fantastic opportunity to help those um, individuals understand why students use social media, what their messaging is, um, and especially for those who um, were here on campus in the 60s. Um, and they were thrilled to hear about the activism. Um, and some of them talked about, well, why don't you put something in the newspaper? And, you know, the students are not really reading the paper newspapers anymore. It's all on social media. So having the opportunity to get them up to speed and understanding today's student um, was a really great opportunity and a lot of fun. But those um, alums and board of directors, um, they were thrilled about what was happening on our campus. That's a great perspective to bring in the alumni part because I, I hadn't thought about that, that you think about who's here now, right? 
Brian, Brian, talk about the social media from the police side. How, how do you know that something's happening? Uh, do you have somebody monitoring from the police department perspective? We do. Um, and, you know, I'm on Twitter. We're on Facebook. Uh, we hear a lot through social media. Plus the interaction that we have with our students. They let us know what's going on. So social media plays such a, a key role in, in today. You know, uh, the old days it used to be if you wanted something spread around campus, you'd tell one or two groups and it'd be across in about 10 minutes. Now all you need to do is Snapchat it and it's out there in a second. So the social media plays such an important role in uh, not only our day-to-day -day operations, but emergency operations. We're all required to do the emergency notifications um, in the event of an ongoing threat to the institution. Uh, how we've evolved with the use of social media over the years is amazing. The student um, engagement that everybody's talked about is fantastic. Uh, it's wonderful to go out and be a part of that, to, to hear their ideas, their expressions. Uh, it, it's amazing what we learn uh, during the, um, the free speech times, uh, in all of the engagements that they do. So, you know, between the social media and, and the students, um, coming to campus and expressing ideas for change, et cetera, it's a really exciting time on our campuses. Great. I, I know at MSU, cause I've been tracking this conversation, um, Dr. Maybank, we've had some interesting discussions around the closure of a women's lounge um, and then some other student activism that has occurred. Uh, so as the Vice President for Student Affairs, how do you work with police to make sure that students' rights of assembly are ensured, but also that we're not disrupting student learning um, and development that happens at MSU? So one of the things I think is critical is we have a student activism brochure that is distributed for those who come in to register for a student organization and anyone else around campus. We've distributed to the advisor listserv so anyone can share that information with a student group that they may know of or hear of or an individual student who may want to do something. And that document lets them know about the policies and procedures and they can go and look in advance to see what the rules of engagement are, what the chalk lines are that they need to stay in, in order to make sure that they have a safe and productive protest or whatever it is they may become involved in. The other thing that happens that I value and that I've learned in my time here is that the police are present to help. And I've watched that happen in controversial times and in provocative times when speakers have come to campus and there's a strong reaction to who the person is and to the words that are being said. But the police are good about making the announcement about a disruptive set of circumstances and they make that announcement three times. I've got this down to a science now. So they make the announcement three times and what I try to make sure the student leaders of any incident activism might be is to let them know that and to let them know what to expect. And then the police are consistent and that becomes a critical part. The consistency of message and action. And that is what I can always depend on in those times. And so it's a matter of making sure students are aware in advance, during, and so that when the questions come afterward, we're all on the same page. That's and that's, that's what's great. so great about collaboration and having a good and great working relationship with our student affairs area, uh, that we're able to, as what uh, Dr. Maybeg just indicated, that we're able to work together so closely to make certain that all the rules and regulations are followed, that everyone understands the procedures, how we go about doing our jobs, and that we are uh, there to help. Uh, so again, it's the collaboration that we have with student affairs and all of the other areas here, our student organizations, again, our students, to make certain that they understand what type of police department we are, and that we're here not only to enforce and make laws safe for them, but also to help them. Great. Yeah, thank you. Um, Kendall, I think I'm, I'm really interested in your perspective as well about building 
um, the law versus the moments. And, you know, we campuses um, often have a slew of underage drinking, marijuana violations. Some might consider those to be minor offenses. Um, yeah, how do you balance that kind of challenge on campus as a dean of students? <laughs> um, so I'll start again. Um, you know, I think that it is definitely a balance, Heather. And um, I think that what makes a difference for us in the dean of students office in particular, who of course have to enforce the uh, student code of conduct, um, we always begin with, we are not trying to be your substitute parents. Um, talking about our own college experiences. And, and I'll tell students, you know, I wasn't necessarily the angel you know, in college, but, um, but I understood what my individual responsibility is. We mostly help them to understand the impact of their actions on themselves and on the larger community. And I think that that helps them to understand um, that it's not just about violating policies or laws, but you know, that what is it that you want to accomplish, you know, while you're here? How might this situation prove to be a barrier to your achieving your goals? And, you know, we, we I try to always have a sense of humor about these things. And um, when uh, UAPD sends over um, the police reports to us, which that's a great thing that, um, great partnership that we have, um, sometimes I'll just hold it up and say, really? Is this really true? <laughs> And that's when I was actually hearing cases and the students would kind of laugh and chuckle and say, I know it was kind of dumb. And then, you know, that, that engenders a great conversation. So, um, but for some situations when we are talking about um, sexual violence, domestic violence, those kinds of things, you can't really use humor <laughs> in that situation. But, um, and those are pretty cut and dry. And I think the students recognize that from the very beginning. We're very upfront about what our process looks like and that we want them to remain a student at the, at the university and how can we help you to do that, but also holding you responsible. I think that we have, a, um, and I don't know if this is the case at Michigan State, but we do have a generation of students who sometimes think that if I admit it, then everything's cool. I don't need to be held accountable. <laughs> Well, I'm glad you admitted that you did it, but there are consequences for your actions. And so, you know, we have those kind of conversations as well. But, you know, I think it's not as difficult, or maybe it is, it's just that we um, have this down pat. Um, we understand our students. So to the point that Rachel made earlier that you have to know your students. Um, and we know our population. Uh, we have quite a few out-of-state students that attend the university from California and the East Coast. And then we have our um, Arizona residents. And so knowing who your students are makes a big difference in how you engage. Absolutely. That's critical. I, I think we're running up against the end of our time today. So I'm going to move to final thoughts and offer um, the opportunity for any of you who have resources that you'd like to share with our audience today to, to talk about those. Certainly this is only a brief um, opportunity for us to talk about campus safety. So if you have things that you'd like to refer folks to read about or articles, that would that would be great. Um, so I'm going to go to Rachel first. You want to yeah. talk final thoughts? Yeah, absolutely. So first off, just want to say thank you once again for being a part of the conversation and for being a part of such great company. Uh, and then again, just want to highlight uh, the opportunity to be a part of ACPA's Commission for Campus Safety and Emergency Preparedness. Uh, to join, simply just log on uh, to your ACPA account, uh, join our listserv and our entity, and don't hesitate to reach out and contact us, follow along for involvement opportunities as we hope to continue providing uh, and advancing this conversation. So thank you again. It was a pleasure. Great. Thanks for being here, Rachel. Kendall, let's go to you. I'm just going this way across my bottom of my screen. All right, so I would say um, I, I echo um, Rachel's sentiments. It's been great to be a part of this um, panel. And I, I think one of the biggest things that I think is important for um, police departments and student affairs to do is joint training. Um, we, we have um, engaged in trainings with our UAPD department around a variety of issues, whether it's the Clery Act or Title IX or investigative processes and uh, techniques. Those are really important 
important opportunities for us to stay engaged and in that relationship that Denise mentioned earlier um, proactively so that we're ready to roll when things do um, come up. And so I think the more time that we can spend with each other in training and in, in other opportunities on campus, I think that's really important. Great. Thanks so much, Kendall. Um, Sergeant Taylor, Florine. I would just like to say thank you as well. And if there's anyone that's in, interested in creating a unit such as uh, the Inclusion and Anti-Bias Unit, to please contact me. Uh, we do have information on our website. Um, they can look under police.msu.edu and go to videos to find out more about how the unit is actually set up, what we do as a police department, uh, how we're involved with the community how we're involved with the faculty and staff. And so I encourage anyone who's interested to please contact me. Great. Dr. Maybank, Denise. Thank you, Heather. And I just want to say thank you to all of the folks on the webinar today and just for the great conversation and discussion and the points of interest that I think are going to matter for those who've watched. I encourage you to get out on our website, look at that student activism brochure, because I believe all of the things that we can do in advance will ultimately make a difference for what we find in the moment of a set of circumstances. So build the relationships, make sure that there's the training, but most important, those partnerships, when things are going well, will make all the difference along the way. So I encourage you to think about that and to realize we all come at this from different perspectives, but it is all of those perspectives that are necessary to take us forward. Great. Brian, Chief Seastone. Thank you. Uh, again, thank you to everybody. Uh, our department motto is partners with our community. And I think that speaks with what we're all doing today. We are all partners and we can't do it alone as we've said many times. Um, nobody does it perfectly. And so we learn from each other. Uh, we learn from our students, the faculty, staff, and we look out at our, our great colleagues over here. Everybody has wonderful programs. And the thing is, we should never be afraid to pick up the phone and ask for help to ask for other resources. Um, we're all in this together. It's a great opportunity for us to even build a, a better working relationship, not only here on our campus, but across the country, and really change the attitudes of law enforcement, uh, how we work with our communities. So thank you again for having us. Great. So again, I'm so grateful for all five of you participating in today's um, panel to, to have this discussion online, I think is really important. Um, thank you to those who are watching as well as tweeting. And I am excited to tell you a little bit about our upcoming um, episode. We have in two weeks, my colleague, Dr. Keith Edwards is going to be filling in for Tony Duty and talking about emotionally intelligent uh, leadership in student affairs. So that maybe relates as well to this topic because it seems like you all very emotionally intelligent leaders. Um, you can receive reminders about this and all of the other shows on Student Affairs Live by subscribing to the Higher Ed Live newsletter. You can also browse our archives and watch any show anytime for free at higheredlive.com. And we also have a podcast that you can tune in and subscribe to. So once again, I'm Heather Shea Gasser. Thank you for watching, everyone. Uh, keep learning and make it a great week.